0: Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate, brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good
1: afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is... Real Life Real Estate Investing, where every week, going forward anyway, we're working super hard to make sure that you are staying up to date on what is going on in this crazy real estate market and getting advice from the best, most experienced folks in the real estate world. And uh, this is another at home show for me here on real life real estate investing. Um, still not uh, not able to come into the studio live, but uh, this is this is what we're doing. It's uh, we can't we can't just keep ignoring the fact that the real estate market is in this sort of unprecedented state right now that um, we all have to figure out. How to deal with what's coming next? How to prepare for it? How to help other people through it? And uh, we're just gonna, I'm just gonna do it from my couch until they say otherwise. Uh, should mention just because um, I'm out of, I'm out of practice with the whole, you know, reminding folks who are local about Cincinnati RIA meetings. That uh, Cincinnati RIA meetings are no longer local. They are now online. We've continued with uh, both of the main monthly meetings as well as all of the focus group meetings on topics ranging from wholesaling to retailing to notes to women's issues, passive investors, apartments, creative finance, beginners, beginners focus group. Those meetings are all still continuing to happen, only now they are online. So those of you who have been listening to Real Life Real Estate from across the country for many years and been getting terrible in envy, hearing about all of the great topics and sessions that go on at Cincinnati REIA, can now actually join in on them. You can get more information about the month-to-month online memberships that Cincinnati REIA is offering to folks all over the United States at com. that's Cincinnati com. Just uh, check out the membership tab and scroll down. You'll see there's a new month-to-month membership for folks who want to be in on meetings, maybe because your RIA is not meeting, or maybe you just want to like be around other people who are actually excited about the real estate market and learn lots more and network and all that stuff at CincinnatiRIA.com. Uh, my guest today is uh, going to be a familiar voice to many Real Life Real Estate listeners. She's been on the show many, many times in the 20-plus years that we've been on the air because she's sort of my go-to person whenever the topic is short sales. It's Dwan Bent Twyford. She's joining us from her uh, second home in Florida. Dwan, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, um, Hey, thanks for having me on
2: today. I'm
1: so excited! I'm excited too. This is this is a little weird, you know, that you're you're at home and I'm at home and Mike's in the studio, and you know, we're both. I, I understand that uh, Florida has closed back up again, and Ohio may be following suit here real shortly. So hope everybody in your family is healthy and well.
2: Yeah, right now everyone is. Uh... Everyone's doing good. Yeah, you know, I have to say, I mean, I know that COVID's a this is a horrible thing. I travel so, so, so much. I have not really minded being at home, and I know a uh, lot of people are probably like what, but I have <laughs> not minded. But you know, my house is on the lake, so I've been powder boarding every day, riding my bike every day, laying in the sun every day. Gosh darn it, this is nice.
1: <laughs> yeah it is it's been i've spoken to a lot of uh um, educators who typically would be on the road a week a month or two weeks a month and there are, it's a combination of people saying this is the best thing that's ever happened i just love not having to not covid but that you know they not having to travel thing yeah. uh is, is the best thing that's yeah. ever happened and i may never go back out on the road and other people that are just you know Itching to be around other real estate investors and you know, get out. No, and,
2: no. And I'm in the category of At itching to get back out. But the first couple, oh, of, you wow. know, the first couple of months, I mean, obviously, it's tragic what's happening. But the first couple of months, we were in Florida, it was March, it was April, the weather was beautiful. I thought, wow, I don't know, I'm laying out every day and having all my tea and potter boarding, it was pretty good. <laughs> so, but now oh, I'm like, right. oh my gosh, how much longer? <laughs>
1: yeah I think we're we're all ready for a variety of reasons for all of this to be over, but um the the thing that the thing that I think is weighing heavily on the minds of people who are in the real estate investing business or who want to be is this is really different than previous kind of recession downturn. Sorts of things that we've, we've all experienced before. I mean, you've been, you've been doing this mm-hmm. for over 25 years. Mm-hmm. I know in that time you've done a lot of wholesaling, you've done a lot of retailing, you've done, you know, bought, bought rentals, lease option properties, you do subject to deals. I mean, you've got, you've got kind of a wide range of experience. The thing you're known best for, of course, is really your expertise in how to help sellers who are facing foreclosure um have a more have a more graceful and controlled exit via a via a short sale. So I'm uh-huh. really curious about um what in in your real estate world you you and your husband Bill and your son Will <laughs> all, all kind yep. of do the real estate business together like right this second in the middle of everything that's going on. What are you guys, what are you guys doing? Are you, are you buying, selling, kind of laying back and seeing what happens? What's your, what's your right now uh, strategy?
2: Well, you know, just uh, this week, this week that we're in right now, I was in Iowa and uh, for, you know, anyone that that knows or listening to my podcast, they know that uh, we've been buying properties in a tiny little town called Clemson, Iowa for a while. And, uh, just a good example, we had two properties on the contract. And I think we were supposed to close as they weren't able, like maybe June 1st. Now the COVID stuff is going on, so the banks are like, okay, we'll give you an extension. Okay, we'll give you an extension. Because, now yeah, I don't want to close exactly. I kind of want to wait. But one of the banks is like, okay, we'll give you a reduction of the price and an extension. So <laughs> so, uh, so, one one property, this is a house that we're going to buy. Uh The bank had been asking seventy-eight thousand dollars for this house, so we were going to turn it into a single-family home for a you know, rental. And we offered, um, and it's in batching, so we offered twelve thousand on a seventy-eight thousand house. They counted at thirty-five, and we said, no, we're just going to stay at twelve. And the guy literally said, there's no way in hell we're going to take twelve five. It's never going to happen. So, two weeks ago, he goes, Is that offer for 12.5 still good? <laughs> I said, Well, actually, it is. <laughs> so, uh, we closed on a house last week for 12.5 that they were asking 78. They counted us at 35, and they stood firm until COVID, and now they took 12.5 for it. It's like, okay. Interesting. Well, interesting. That- that was a good deal. I know. The guy was like, no, whatever, Amber. Like, just so mad at us. That, that's insulting. Just so upset about it. And when he called, I was <coughs> thinking, you know, you know me. I'm like, I'm sorry. Who Who is this again? Oh, is that that <laughs> guy? You're that guy that said never? Is that that guy? He's like, shut up. Do you want it or not? I was like, well, I guess I do. <laughs> oh, so, huh, yeah. I don't know. But now we have... Um, you know, it's just really interesting, right? It is really interesting right now because there's no set end to this. Like, when does COVID end? When do the banks finally say, okay, we cannot do any more extensions? We gave extensions. We gave extensions. We came up with programs. We've lent money. There's no more. So we don't know when that end period is. And so I think that real estate investors – need to be honestly learning short sales. They need to be learning wholesaling. They need to be learning subject to. They need to be learning and doing as much as they can during this. Because when it's all done and it all shakes out, nobody really truly knows how bad it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be worse than people think because I know when banks start doing you know, in-depth and extensions, first it was you know, you could take April, May, and June and put it on the back of your payment. Now it's uh, August 31st, and, you know, if it which are going to be January, when are the extensions going to stop? Because at some point, the economy can't handle any of it. Uh, the extensions or any, we just can't do it. It can't, it can't happen without the entire country just, you know, I don't know, collapsing up into the ocean or something. So at some point, there has to be a stop. And for the banks, it's cheaper, it is cheaper for a bank to do a short sale than it is to do a foreclosure. They actually lose mm-hmm. less money in the long run if they just take a short sale, opposed to paying attorneys and fees and filing in court and court and court and court in the foreclosure process. So I feel like that banks will actually welcome short sales because it's cheaper for them.
1: hmm hmm all right. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about the the whole situation where it where it comes to uh, the very high number of mortgages that are in default right now, what that could mean for banks going forward, how they tend to react or have tended to react in the past, and some advice for folks who are looking for uh, pre-foreclosures as a way to get into real estate investing. We can also take your questions via email. Here's how you send those in. It's askvina at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A, at gmail.com. Send in your questions. Tell us where you're writing from, and we will be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Dwan Bent Twyford, very long-time uh, investor in several states. She started out in Florida, bought a, did a lot of deals there, moved out to Colorado, did a lot of uh, retail-type million-dollar fix-ups there, uh, got interested in her husband's hometown in Iowa, uh, as a place to buy both rental and commercial properties, so spend some time there. But is probably best known to most of you as the short sale queen, the person who uh, has been traveling the the country, speaking at real estate associations and conferences for many years about uh, short sales and the opportunities there, not just to, yeah, make money. You know, buy properties that tend to be a little bit distressed at under market prices, but also to help the, the owners of those properties at the end of a process that they often have been going through for, you know, a year or two by the time, by the time you talk to them. And it's really, you know, the bank's really gotten to the point of filing the lawsuit for the foreclosure. Uh, many times they've been struggling with payments for, a year or more and uh, just finally got to the point where they couldn't even couldn't even pay them late so you're, you're dealing with folks here who something has been going on usually for a while the situation we have right now is that we've got a whole bunch of folks who very suddenly are finding themselves in arrears on mortgages and although there's there's some stuff happening in the banking world that that Dwan will talk about in a moment, uh, it is still the case that it's likely that a lot of those people will not be able to ultimately catch up on their loans or make uh, arrangements with lenders. So this is a, this is a really good time to be learning about short sales, uh, especially if it's not something that you've bothered to study because in the last few years there just haven't been that many foreclosures around to, uh, do short sales with so so. Duana, it occurs to me mm-hmm. that we may have people listening who, when I say short sale, it they have no idea what I'm talking about. Mm. So, so maybe maybe the you know 30 second overview of what a short sale is would be a good place to start.
2: Yeah, that's true. You know, we always assume everybody knows what we're talking about. <laughs> so uh, so basically, a short sale, uh, a homeowner basically owes about what their house is worth. They have fallen behind on payments. They're not able to sell their house because they owe basically the value of their home. So somebody like me as a real estate investor, I would come along. I would have the homeowner sign a sales contract. I would take the property in contract, and then I would contact the bank on behalf of the homeowner and say, hey, listen, Mr. Banker, they owe what it's worth. It needs work. It needs this, 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 this. I'm willing to pay you less then the full payment as a full payment. So, for example, there may be a two hundred thousand dollar house where somebody owes two hundred thousand, and through negotiating, I might be able to get the bank to accept a hundred thousand as a full payoff. So the bank takes a loss, uh, but the homeowner they get relocation money, they don't get a foreclosure on their credit report, and they get a chance to actually move and not just be like crushed by their house being foreclosed on at the fair sale. And the banks, they do take a loss. um, But for the banks, again, a short sale is often cheaper than a foreclosure process, especially if a homeowner files bankruptcy. So the gist of it is the bank agrees to accept less as a full payoff, a homeowner agrees to sell their house to me, and everybody wins. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you tell people – the the bank it's actually cheaper for the bank to take less money than it is for them to do a foreclosure Mm -hmm. a lot of times times people look at you like you've got two heads you know like like how could it (laughs) possibly be cheaper for the bank to to accept yeah so they loaned two hundred thousand at some point right so that's real money Mm -hmm. that the bank the bank loaned to this borrower to buy this property And how can it be cheaper for the bank to be paid 150 than to just pay for foreclosure and then put the house on the market for 200? And that's a. And the more the more you the more you really sort of look at how that process works, the more you get it right. The more you go, oh yeah, okay, now I see it. Um, I read a I read something, and this was 10 years ago, so I'm going to assume the number has gone up. But Mm -hmm. I read I read a number about 10 years ago that said just the legal cost of the foreclosure for a typical bank is somewhere in the fifteen thousand dollar range. So that's Mm -hmm. just the lawyers, the filings, the, you know, having somebody drive by because what the bank will do is they'll have somebody drive by every week and and take a picture of Mm -hmm. the house and make sure that it's that it's still occupied, and if it's not occupied, then they t- incur more costs because they secure it and they winterize it and they hire a, an asset manager to keep doing that, and um, that, that doesn't even count the months and months and months we go without receiving a payment. So we've got money out there that's not, get, that's not, it's not invested, right? It's not getting any interest, and right. the taxes are piling up, and the bank yes. has to pay for the insurance, <laughs> the fourth
2: insurance, which is really expensive.
1: Yep, yep. I've yeah, I've I've uh, I've seen fourth placed insurance that banks get that l- literally. So I might pay sixty bucks a month to insure that house, and literally the bank is paying four or five hundred a month mm-hmm. to insure that house. And time going by is not good for houses. Right, they don't tend to get in mm-hmm. better shape as nope. as the year drags on. Uh, people can break in and steal things, and you know, there's all sorts of. So, so I totally believe that that taking a fifty thousand dollar discount on a two hundred thousand dollar mortgage is probably cheaper for the bank. And it's also kind of it it at least with the folks I've worked with in short sales, it tends to be mentally easier on the seller because. they're so much more in control, right? I I know when I am going to have to move, the sheriff is not going to come and set my stuff out on the street. Yes,
2: I have seen that done, and i got to tell you, that is probably the most heartbreaking thing. The sheriff literally puts their things out on the edge of the property line, and the neighbors, you know, they could be at work, but the neighbors think, oh, free stuff. And you come home and every person has pillaged through all of your things. They think it's all there for free. And you didn't really think the sheriff was coming. And you come home from work. And you're like if you had 10 items left in your yard. And everything's outside and your locks are changed. It's, mm-hmm. it's very devastating. It's very devastating. You know, the um, the CEO of Bank of America made a, uh, a comment not long ago. The bank, when, they, when the bank officially files that foreclosure paper. Like, here's your actual notice of default. Because before, you know, it's like you're behind on payments, call for a loan modification. You're behind on payments, let's work out a forbearance agreement. You did a loan modification, but you didn't make it through it. By the time the bank actually files the for foreclosure, the, the CEO, CEO, Bank of America, the, the bank loses 40% of the value of that house right off the top to expenses and fees. So you got a two hundred thousand on house. They're down to um, one hundred and forty, just straight out of the gate. So, mm-hmm. wait, is that right? Yeah. Is that right? So they lose forty yeah. percent. No. Yeah. Forty percent. I just hold on. Forty percent of the value, right out of the gate, because of all those things you mentioned: the taxes, the forced insurance, the uh, attorney. Now, if a homeowner says, ooh, I'm not ready to lose my, I can't move, I need to buy a little more time, and they file bankruptcy, that expense alone cost the bank almost $25,000, because now that file goes out of foreclosure and moves over here into this other file, and now it's in a bankruptcy file. That's almost a $25,000 expense to the bank right there, because as you know, with bankruptcy, it's hearings and court dates and dates and dates and dates and someone, an attorney, has to go in person to all of these things. So for many, many, many times the bank is like, you know what, we'll just take less and be done with it, then drag it on. Because if it drags on through foreclosure, like you were saying, months of payments, then maybe they go to bankruptcy, it's another year. The bank is not getting interest. That property is adding up on their defaulted loans. They have to have a a loan loss reserve against every single solitary property that's in default. That's what's going to hurt the banks right now. The banks have to have, it's called a loan loss reserve. Every single bank has to have, if you have a $100,000 house and it goes in foreclosure, the bank has to have $100,000 equal to that or more sitting in an unlendable account against that defaulted asset. So says all these millions of properties are all going behind and falling and falling behind. The bank has to have money behind each one of those houses to back those up. So it is only a matter of time before the bank's like, dang, we can't do this anymore. We're going to have to just start foreclosing on people. We can't just keep extending. It's just not feasible. Mm-hmm. It can't be done. And, uh, and, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and for... And for uh, people that are new that are listening, a lot of people mistakenly think, oh, well, you just negotiate with the homeowner for them to accept less. And it's like, no, you're not talking to the homeowner about taking less. You're actually negotiating with the bank, with the loss mitigation department, and the bank is the one that says, okay, we will take less, so we can just be done with this one and we can move on to the next deal.
1: Mm-hmm. And it does, it does start with the homeowner because that's another really common yeah. misconception. Yeah. In fact, I was just looking at the, at the questions on askvina at gmail.com. Hint, hint. If you have any questions, askvina at gmail.com. <laughs> um, I, because, because I expected that one of the first questions we were, we would get is something like, well, uh, there's a house on my block and I know that it's in foreclosure, how do I contact the bank? And people people miss that step about you can't – literally the bank will not talk to you about that property Mm-mm. pre-foreclosure unless you already and- have a signed contract with the owner and permission from the owner – who talk to the bank. They can't just be, I mean, you can't just, exactly. like, can't just like call Bank of America and say, hey, how's Juan doing on her mortgage? Is she up to date because I'd like to buy her house? You know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you that can't do is that. a giant, mis- no, they can't. That's one that. yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's one of the biggest misconceptions. People say, oh, I saw a house on the MLS and the bank says it will take a short sale. Technically, a short sale is done because the homeowner still owns the home and the homeowner is in foreclosure, and the homeowner is losing their home, and the bank does the short sale on behalf of the homeowner. Once the bank takes it back through that sheriff sale, through that foreclosure sale, and the bank owns it, and they put out there and say, oh, we'll take a short sale, people go, they just hear the word, oh, my God, it's a short sale. It means it's a good deal. No, that means all the bank is doing is trying to get you to think that's a good deal. And if the bank takes anything less than what they're asking, it's not even a short sale anymore. It's just a deeper, it's just a, a a deeper discount because the short sale aspect of it is gone when the homeowner no longer owns the home. So the short sale Mm -hmm. is done on behalf of the homeowner to help their credit, help them move, help them get relocated, help them get a fresh start. Once the, yeah, like you said, people go, oh, there's a vacant house. I want to get that. If it's already bank-owned, you're going to have to wait until the bank gets around to getting it listed. And then if you get a discount on it, you didn't even get a short sale. You just got a good deal. <laughs> it's not <laughs> yeah. the same thing. It's just the typical, oh, I'm working with the bank on a short sale. I'm just like, oh, you're so cute. <laughs> so but there, there are, are all like, like, it
1: like, it, it doesn't matter – how good the economy is. There's always a certain kind of background level of foreclosures, right? There's just, there's just individual people who, whatever, they lose their jobs, they get divorced, they, and, and and they can't make the payments anymore. They have a health issue. Um, I I see a lot of, I I get calls from a lot of people who've inherited houses and they're behind Mm -hmm. on the payments because, you know, grandma did not, she left the house, but she didn't leave enough money to make the payments on the mortgage Mm -hmm. and the, the, the heirs camp, like they just don't have the the spare money to do it. So there's always, there's always going to be some of that, but what becomes interesting is when economic times get hard, there's an explosion of the the number of folks. And it's not just homeowners um, landlords who've got their houses overfinanced and their 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 tenants can't pay the rent and da 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 da. You know, th- 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 let's not forget there's there's all kinds of properties can be foreclosed on. Now you've been so doing many. this since the early 2000s, <clears throat> like almost before short sales were called short sales. And I saw, trademarked
2: the term short sales. Is that right? I, okay. I, I okay. trademarked I that way it? back is in the okay? 90s because it was becoming a term, and I thought you know. I'm using this, people are using this, I wrote a little program, I'm going to trademark that. So I, I have a registered trademark on the term short sales as it relates to real estate investing.
1: Interesting. Um, but I assume it's okay for me to continue to use the word without, you know, yeah, sending course. you a dollar yes. every yes. time it, I it, do. <laughs> I, wish I, I
2: wish I could do that. Uh, but the trademark <laughs> I have is as far as teaching, real estate, investing, educating. But it's a specific trademark because short sales also apply to the stock market and they apply to many other industries. So you can't trademark the term across the world. It's specific to the educational part of real estate investing. But, yeah, back, you know, way back. So, I mean, I don't even know. I started I started investing like in 1990 because Adel was just a baby. So, I mean, I was way back there. And, uh, which is shocking because, you know, I'm still just 39. So, not quite sure how that math <laughs> adds up right there. But, uh, my daughter is almost as old as I am. Another couple of years, she'll be older than me. So, <laughs> I have stopped. So, but, it's been so, interesting to you... watch because there was a time when they were just, banks would do them, you could just ask them over the phone. They'd say, yes, just take the deal. And then they got a little more complicated. The market got a little better. You know, we had, like, the housing crash. And uh, the last few years, you know, we've always still been able to successfully do them because we we present our case to the bank based on the financial loss to the bank. So I understand that when the market is good, I still know that that bank is going to lose 40% of the value right off the top once it goes into foreclosure. And if a homeowner falls in bankruptcy, which is an additional year, the bank is going to lose over 50% of the value anyway. So one of the things that I always teach uh, and what I will be teaching at the Ohio REA, is that the whole key to your short sale is it's not just to call the bank and say, hey, I'm doing a short sale because, you know, Bob and Sally are in foreclosure. It's like, hey, let's look at the financial loss to the bank. If they continue not making payments and then they call bankruptcy, you're going to lose this much money. I'm going to give you more than that right now. So let's just wipe you get this deal done, shake hands, and call it a day. And, and that is the key, is going to the bank from the financial side, because the bank really only does care about the money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really care uh, about bo- the actual bo- homeowner. I- I believe
1: we need to take another quick break, and I'm, I'm sitting here reading some of the questions that have come in via askbina at gmail.com, and I want to make sure we get to those uh, when we come back. If you all who are listening have any last-minute questions, because we are going to be in the last 15 minutes of the show when we get back, uh, go ahead and send them to askbina at gmail.com, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Fina Jones Cox. My guest today is Juan Bent Twyford, who uh, mentioned a little bit earlier that she is uh, planning on being in Ohio on November 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th for the Ohio REA uh, annual National Real Estate Summit. Uh, that is moving forward one way or another. I, just, I I get so many questions about that, you know, every, every day on, yeah, you know, we're all on Zoom meetings all day, every day now, right? And every time I'm on a Zoom meeting with other real estate investors, they're saying, hey, is ARIA happening this year? And yeah, one way or another, it's happening. If things change. Well, you know, p.m.
2: Vina, um, I'm sorry, you know, I, uh, every year, that's my dad's birthday, November 3rd. So I always am in Ohio for his birthday anyway. So I told my dad, I said, listen, if that read isn't meeting live, he's like, well, you you bring that good-looking redhead down here to my house, and you guys do that meeting out of my house. So <laughs> my dad's invited. He's got high-speed Internet and everything now. So he's already invited us to do uh, our online portion at his house. Oh,
1: okay. All right. So that's, that's it. Thank yourself. you. You tell that
2: good-looking redhead <laughs> to come to my house. You do that meeting online. So we want have a backup yourself. plan.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and uh, as you say, if we we've got we're actually planning two parallel events, which is super fun because it's not it's not hard enough to plan one event with you know ten speakers and thirty vendors and. Uh, I'm in the middle of planning two. One, if we can be live, oh. and a different one if we need to be online, so uh, listeners can stay up to date on what is happening there and and actually get like a like a super duper. We don't know what we're doing yet. Low price at reaconvention.com. Uh, we do have our all of our speakers lined up. It's also we've been in the business for more than 15 years, so. And we, we chose that number so that we had all people who had been through economic downturns in real estate before and knew how to deal with it. So, um, you know, usually usually we, we have, you know, some some folks who are very successful, but more recently so, and this year we made the decision, you know, it's got to be people who can speak from experience on mm. how how to best. Deal with an economic decline in in the real estate business, and not just survive it, but actually thrive during it. I mean, every one of them that I've talked to, you know, you, Larry Goinsley, Phillips, Kathy Kennerbrook, everybody I've talked to, is like, well, I hope your people are, are excited about the opportunities that are coming up. I hope they're not all sitting around going, well, I'm gonna wait till the market recovers, because no. not you know, that's not that's not the when the market recovers, people don't need your help. <laughs> when the market
2: is exactly. down, people need your help. I, I've been telling people since the day one where they said, okay, we're going to close America because of COVID. I did Facebook Live 40 days in a row. And every day I was like, listen, it's time to learn, 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 learn. If you wait till it's over, you're missing. This is like a window that people like you and people like me, we've certainly seen – ups and downs, but still nothing nothing like this specific window. But the people that wait till it's over, they're gonna miss out on the greatest real estate investing opportunity that we'll probably will ever see in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and but when I say that I also want people to understand I'm not saying, oh yeah, we're gonna go take advantage of all these people. No. There are millions of people that need our help more now than they have ever, ever, ever in the history of the world needed our help. And for me personally, and I always like to make this point, um, there, you know, there's kind of two types of investors. I am the investor. I actually still to this day, I like to talk to homeowners in person and I like to try to help them out because I was that single mom. I lost the house in foreclosure. I was that person and nobody came to my door to try to help me and I would have highly appreciated it. And then there are the other investors that are like, oh no no no, I don't want to talk to people. I'd rather just buy stuff from the banks or from other investors. And that's okay too. But for the people that are like me, that actually like the the feeling of touching, feeling, holding, helping, that is there's so many more millions of people that need help now than has ever been. I mean, I honestly, I don't even know. This this, this may be worse than the Great Depression. Once all said and done. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um,
2: that's that's the part where my crystal ball completely
1: fails me. Is
2: you know yeah, I, I know I,
1: I know I know we're in for a recession because we're already in a recession. Like that's not that doesn't take a crystal ball. You just need to like look at the economic indicators. We are in a recession. The question is
2: mm-hmm. how
1: long does it go on and what does, <clears throat> what 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 does it look like in terms of uh, you know jobs coming back and things like that. Speaking of which. Mm-hmm. I have a question here from Daniel, who is actually sort of in your neck of the woods. He's in Sarasota, Florida. He Hmm. says, I'm reading a lot about banks doing modifications, new second mortgages, uh, forbearance agreements. What effect do you think that and the stimulus money will have on the overall foreclosure market over the next few years?
2: That is a great question. So they have put into – do you remember back in the last recession, they had like half, half, there was like 5,000 different things with names. We are at that point again. I tried to write some of them down, and I'm like, oh, my God, I have to write a book about the names of the stimulus packages. But there, there is one that's called the COVID-19 National Emergency Standalone Partial Claim. That one will take your back payments as long as they don't go past 30% of the value of the home. And they'll give you a second mortgage, no interest, and they tack it on. So it's tacked on to the end of the loan, but not extending your loan. It's an actual second mortgage. So when you make your last payment that you currently make on the, whatever, 20 years from today, you still have this loan that's a second that's on the back side. So they are doing those where they're giving junior liens, um, Put them on the back. They're also doing, which, which is standard real estate business, loan modifications are always the first line. When you miss your first payment, the bank is immediately offering you a loan modification. And a loan modification can be anything from lowering your interest, taking your 15 years you have left and stretching it out over 20 to roll the payments in to lower your payment. It's just a remodification of the loan that's in place. And the thing that makes me the most nervous is the banks are doing these forbearance. But the problem with the forbearance versus a loan modification, a loan modification, if you're 10 payments behind when this is all done, they stick them on the back, you make three on-time payments and work through what's called a trial, so it's a permanent deal. If you fall behind, the bank's got to start over. But a forbearance, they may say, oh, well, during COVID, you were 10 payments late, so let's divide those up over uh, 24 months and we're gonna add 300 bucks onto your payment. So it's a, it's a, it's just a, it's a repayment plan, but when you're in forbearance, you're still in foreclosure. So if you were weeks away, months away, two months away, if you were right wherever you were, you're still there the whole entire time. And something like 90% of the people, 95% of the people can't make, they can't make it through a forbearance agreement. So mm-hmm. I was hoping what I what I was really hoping the banks would do I tell you what, if Ben Carson would give me a call, the housing and Urban out, I would just tell him, send everybody in America <laughs> just a simple one page, Hey, we're gonna put all your payments on the back, start making your first payment September first, everything's done, sign this and it'll be done and over with. But uh they don't and the thing is with all these these modifications Every single sentence starts with, if you qualify, you can get this mortgage payment reduced, put on the back, forbearance, not owe it. Everything starts with, if you qualify. And what if you qualify means, as long as you are 100% on point as of March 1st and your credit is good and you had a job, you qualify. But if you were already behind a couple payments, you missed one six months ago... Yeah, your credit got shot, something happened up before the day of March 1st, you don't qualify for anything. Nothing. And so you, it's all if you qualify, and that's where people go, oh, the banks, the, the government's giving out money for the CARES Act and this act and that bad, but they all start with if you qualify. And that's the key. That's why a lot of landlords, you know, that are applying for this economic injury disaster loan and grant to pay their mortgages because their tenants can't pay. Well, I know landlords that have some credit issues from the past. I know them that take subject to properties because they have credit issues. So if they don't have perfect credit, perfect, 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 they don't qualify for any of these disaster reliefs on the hemp, all those things, everything. you got to qualify for that. So if you didn't pay your taxes yet last year, you asked for an extension, your taxes didn't get paid, you don't qualify. So there's like a million things that sound great when you say them out loud, but when you look at the reality of qualifying, not many people are qualifying for things. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem yeah. that we have. It's just a spiral, and people don't understand what that means.
1: And a lot of I think a lot of folks don't understand how interconnected all of this stuff is with just the uh, just the general availability of credit, and that's what
2: mm. that's
1: what sort of worries me when the in two thousand seven, eight, nine, when banks suddenly found themselves stuck with millions of billions of dollars and. In uh, defaulted loans and uh, REOs that they had to process, and they were, you know, the, the the number one job opportunity in the country was being a loss mitigation person for a bank because they were, you know, they had phone rooms full of people trying to work this mm-hmm. out, and they still were just overwhelmed with the amount of of, mm-hmm. um, of work there was to do there. Uh, the the thing they they simultaneously did was they got. Super disinterested in making loans in real estate, right? They they all uh-huh. of a sudden you had to have a 780 credit score, and even people with 780 credit scores weren't qualifying, even when they had 20% down. I mean, it was just really hard to get yeah. a loan. And that was one of the things that sort of shut down the market during that time. It wasn't just look at all this supply with little demand, it was also if you wanted to buy a home, if you wanted to buy one of these bank properties and fix it up and turn it into a rental property, it, it, there was a real credit crunch. And that's that's something <laughs> that, that I worry about when banks are all sitting there going, okay, well, we're on month five now. I read a statistic the other day that said that something like uh, real close to 8% of all FHA and VA loans are officially mm-hmm. in default. They're more than 20, 30 days late. And that overall... Oh, yeah. If you look at all of the loans, all of the residential loans in the United States, they're about 5.5% behind. They're at least 30 days behind, and many of them, of course, are April, May, June, July behind now. So, um, you know, does that that have an effect on the availability of credit? And if so, doesn't that mean that real estate investors need to be looking at how do I do – how do I get private money? How do I get financing from sellers? I mean, these are all things that are kind of going into our into our plans. Um, Mike, I need to know how much time we have left because I get a feeling we're at like two minutes. You had you had, that's pretty close. Two minutes and thirteen oh. seconds. So
2: <laughs> okay. this is something super fast. So FHA is doing something that they're calling it. If imagine a waterfall, you're at the top and you're getting ready to fall off. Well. As you go down the waterfall, they're gonna to try to see if you apply for this very first uh, standalone thing. And then you don't. You go further down the waterfall, and maybe you can apply for this. You go further down the waterfall. They're gonna see if you can apply for a ham. And you keep going down. If you apply for nothing, at the end it's like you splash and burn. <laughs> That's what I'm like. That's FHA's big plan. It's a waterfall plan. There's like ten steps at the bottom and if you don't qualify for any of that you're completely screwed <laughs> so one
1: uh in the in the sixty seconds we have left, tell me what you're excited about in the upcoming market like what do you what do you what do you think are the real opportunities
2: honestly I am excited for uh commercial I know a lot of commercials properties are going to take a big hit and I'm a big fan of buying commercial I think commercial is going to be super, super ultra dirt cheap even more. I think opportunity zones, the people just Google opportunity zones, I think that's going to expand to way, way more than what there is out there. And for people that Google that, uh, it's an unbelievable opportunity to buy and hold things. Uh, I'm super excited to be doing short sales. Of course, I'm going to write a brand-new book because, you know, everything's changing in my short sale side. So I'm excited about short sales that, I'm just excited to honestly just see watch America kind of pull together and pull up our bootstraps and and just come out on top.
1: <laughs> your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> I think that is We're what American. we are all. We always come out for. on top. All right. Well, uh I believe that we are right at time now. Yes, you are. Really well, thank you so you much for having signals. me on. <laughs> and I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on. Um, Folks who are interested in staying connected, check out CincinnatiREIA.com. That's com for the new online memberships where you can attend, gosh, 10, 12 meetings a month if you want to and be around with lots of excited real estate investors. Uh, We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.